0: my like a a It is Friday, October 22nd, here at Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to our Week Seven DraftKings podcast. I'm your host Mattyoff. With me again is Jared Smola, and this podcast is sponsored by our partners at FanShare Sports. Fanshare curates hundreds of pieces of daily fantasy sports-related articles, tweets, and podcasts to create the most accurate ownership projections in the industry. Those projections can be found in the lineup generator on DraftSharks.com, and you can find up-to-date ownership info anytime at FanshareSports.com. Jared, we've got the six-team by this week. We talked about it, of course, on our Week 7 Preview Pod on Thursday. It challenges your season-long lineup setting, but I feel like sometimes it can make these DFS decisions a little bit easier when we take some of the teams out. It, it, it at least pushes me to not be as cute <laughs> in setting lineups and just say, all right, these are the guys that make sense.
1: And yeah, not not as many places to mess up on a week like that. There's, there's only, you know, 10 games on the main slate. Uh, we, have, you know, we have teams with massive implied totals and then some teams with super low implied totals. So t- to me, there's almost only like, I don't know, 15 or so teams we're really choosing from on this slate.
0: Yeah, it it became easier for me to pick out guys that I actually liked and guys that I felt like really weren't worth me talking about. We'll see if, if we agree on some of those guys or if any surprises pop up. So let's jump into quarterback. And for Cash, what are you favoring on DK?
1: I think it's a week to pay up. At quarterback in, in cash this week, I, you know all of these elite quarterbacks are in excellent spots. Uh, Patrick Mahomes actually eighty four hundred dollars checks in as our top dollars per point value. I mean, he he gets the Titans' thirty second ranked defense and adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks. In in, in making lineups, so it is a little tough. It was tough for me at least to get Mahomes in and then feel good about the other spots. So I, I'm going down to Lamar Jackson, saving a thousand dollars. He's just kind of my favorite floor ceiling combo for the price you know his passing production way up this season. He's averaging a career high, 281 passing yards per game. Just got Rashad Bateman you know, added to the mix uh, last week. So, you know, Bateman, Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews, three nice weapons to work with now. We know the rushing floor is still there. Um, he's actually had some, some massive rushing games against the, the Bengals in his career so far. So j- just feel good about Lamar in this spot, you know, returning cash game value this week.
0: Yeah, I certainly can't argue against the top shelf guys, and we'll see how comfy I get with them as I start building out lineups. I'm probably going to start out with Matt Ryan though at 5,700 bucks because I feel fairly comfortable with him at this point. Uh, Calvin Ridley is back; his salary is down at 6,600, so it's a nice little stack for whether it's cash or a tournament lineup. Um, he's Calvin Ridley's $1,300 short of where he started the year salary-wise, so much easier to fit than usual, and a plus matchup for both. The Dolphins sit mid-pack in allowing DK points to quarterbacks 30th against wide receivers. So really a positive matchup for both players and Matt Ryan, probably more importantly has been solid this year. He started terribly against the Eagles with under eight DraftKings points. Since then, he's been over 16 and a half in all four of the games and top 22 DK points in three of the past four games. So, you know, again, not the, not the ceiling that the other quarterbacks have that he mentioned, mm-hmm. but, I feel pretty good about the floor that Matt Ryan brings and the salary savings that'll help me pay up elsewhere.
1: Yeah. No arguments here. Um, you know, for, for the salary savings you're getting Ryan should be okay. You know, I, I like the, I like the young Russian quarterbacks in cash, you know, not, not the old pocket passers like Matt Ryan, but he, he should, he should be fine for you. Tourney side. What do you like? I'm going to be attacking this chiefs Titans game in tournaments. I mean, you know, it has the highest over under of the week and there, you know, there are, the Rams are in an excellent spot. The Cardinals are in a great spot. The Bucks have a big implied total. The Packers have a big implied total. I to me, just th- this Chiefs Titans game is the one where both sides could score a bunch and kind of keep the other side pedal to the metal as well. So um, I like Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, I like Ryan Tannehill on the other side as well. Um, he's just in for some for some touchdowns. I think like Derek Henry can't keep scoring all Tennessee's touchdowns. I don't think um, two thirds of the Titans' offensive touchdowns this season have been rushing. In general, like a league average is two thirds of your touchdowns to come via passing. Even the Titans last year, 56% of their offensive touchdowns were passing scores. So, uh, again, I think eventually some of these Henry touchdowns are going to turn into Tannehill touchdowns. Hopefully, it happens this week.
0: Yeah, it's going to happen at some point. You never really know. But he's done a lot of those push ups, though, where he's on those two cords just balancing with a chain around his <laughs> neck. So, yeah, that doesn't get factored in to the normal touchdown split. So, we'll see. Uh, Shooting for ceiling, I think you can't really argue against Patrick Mahomes. You know, Lamar Jackson's in the mix. Kyler Murray's in the mix. Matthew Stafford, I think, is in the mix because even though I expect that game to be a blowout, it's going to be because the Rams score a bunch of points to turn it into a blowout. Uh, I think there's a chance that the Jalen Hurts-Dallas-Goddard stack gets a little bit interesting, although it looks like Goddard's headed for a higher ownership. I think that Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are an interesting stack again this week, more so than last week. Last week, it was like, let me throw in one Aaron Rodgers lineup. But this week, I think it gets more interesting because the matchup is better. Uh, Washington has allowed five straight quarterbacks to top 30 DK points. It's a pass funnel defense. It ranks 25th in points allowed to quarterbacks, 31st in points allowed to wide receivers. So, you know, a ceiling matchup here four guys that we know we can trust as far as their play goes. I also think it looks interesting to run back maybe J.D. McKissick on the other side against Green Bay this week. It worked last week. Uh, he gave us, I believe it was 19 DK points. If McKissick's only up $200 in salary this week. And he does have three games this season of 16.9 DK points or better. So we don't have to just go off of one game or guess at what he can do. Uh, we still have the injury issue for Antonio Gibson. So there's still a chance that McKissick gets some extra work here, especially if it's as lopsided as it seems. And I was wondering if after last week's game, McKissick might see higher ownership, but the early fan share returns say 2%. So this could still be a differentiating type player.
1: Yeah, I, I've been thinking about that exact stack, a uh, uh, Rodgers, Adams, and McKissick running back. I, I hate burning a running back spot on J.D. McKissick. I'd, I'd much rather you know, get a guy who I think is going to get you know, 20 carries plus some targets. But I, I think it's viable. I think uh, Ricky Seals-Jones is a nice run back, and we'll talk about him when we get to the tight ends. But I'm um, just looking at the fan share ownership projections among these elite quarterbacks, it looks like Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and Matt Stafford are the ones getting – uh, popular going to be you know, in the double digit percent ownership, Tom Brady, Kyler Murray, and Aaron Rodgers are all at 6% or lower. So, you know, if you're you know, trying to make decisions based on ownership, it looks like Brady Murray and Rogers are the kind of elites that are going a bit overlooked.
0: Yeah. And I think that, I think it'll matter a little bit. Uh, it's not going to turn me from high upside quarterbacks to a, a far iffier quarterback, but if I'm looking at a pool of guys who all have ceiling potential and one guy's at five percent, and three others are at twelve plus. Then you know there's some edge there. Exactly at running back, uh, cash. It feels kind of pointless to even talk about Derrick Henry at this point, right? Even in a full PPR format.
1: Yes, I, I I would not play a cash game without Henry in my lineup this week. Um, I mean, ninety two hundred bucks it seems. Seems cheap. Um, he's averaging 30.9 DK points per game. Our our projections have Henry for 8.4 more DraftKings points than any other running back, which is just a massive gap. So I'm definitely playing Henry in cash. Um, I'm definitely playing Daryl Henderson in cash at 6,600 bucks. You know, getting RB1 usage when he's been healthy this season, 82% of the Rams offensive snaps in his four healthy games, 17 carries and 2.8 targets across those four healthy games. Now he's at home against the lions, huge favorite, huge implied total, just, you know, a perfect spot for a running back.
0: Yeah. And it, there are other guys here too. It's not even, I don't know, so clear cut. I, I have no argument against those two, but Deandre Swift at 6,000 Leonard Fournette at 6,400. Both of those guys are comfy options as well. It's those two and Derrick Henry topping our DK dollars per point projections. I don't think I'm going to dip past the top four in that group to get you for cash purposes at running back. And that's, you know, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about with the six teams out. It just gets easier. And and I, I don't care about trying to get different, especially on the cash side. Swift and Fournette, by the way, both among the top five running backs in targets over the past three weeks. Both of them face positive situations for game flow. And for opposite reasons, of course, DeAndre Swift, we expect to lose in a blowout which should mean plenty of targets for him, plenty of second half work on that front. Leonard Fournette should be on the winning side of a blowout, which should mean carries for him in a positive scoring environment. So a great spot for both of those guys, in addition to the two running backs that you were just talking about. Tournament side, what do you like?
1: I like Aaron Jones for starters. Um, You mentioned Washington being tougher against the run in the past, which they are. You know, we just saw Darrell Williams score 23.9 drafting points against Washington last week because if you're a running back getting you know workhorse usage on a team with a high implied total like you're you're a good touchdown back and we've seen Aaron Jones have three four touchdown games you know, he hasn't had one in, in a few weeks now um, I think he's gonna be pretty low owned at his salary so I kind of like Jones um, as a lower own tournament play I like Miles Sanders too and we talked about him a lot on the um, preview pod on Thursday but I, I just you know his snap rate is high. His share of the running back carries is high. There just haven't been enough running back carries to go around in Philly. Um, if that changes, you know, Sanders is going to be a big beneficiary. Good matchup against the Raiders on Sunday. He's also been plenty involved in the passing game. So if we can just get him 14, 15 carries, um, you know, at 5,100 bucks, I think, you know, he
0: could turn into a, a big value this week. It still scares me to play Miles Sanders in an environment where every time he might get a goal line carry, his quarterback gets to decide whether to hand it to him or run it in himself. But you know, there's upside to the player and we've seen, he can score from distance. So I guess it's not all up to Jalen Hurts. I hope we'll see. Um, I I think all the guys we already talked about are still in play, even though their higher ownership rates are going to factor in here. You know, when you're looking at players with high ceilings, I don't think you have to try too hard to fade them because if they hit, It doesn't really matter how many people have them. You have the points regardless. I will throw in Cordero Patterson here. I will not consider him on the cash side, but he's sitting right now at 4% projected ownership. Obviously he's kind of flimsy in how he's scoring points right now. And I don't mean that his role is going away, but you know, we're not talking about a workhorse back. We're talking about a guy that gets some of the carries. that gets some receptions. He might see fewer targets now that Atlanta is healthier and more stocked at wide receiver. But, you know, maybe Patterson's shown enough that he's going to get plenty of touches still this week. And if he's coming in low owned in these, we've seen what the upside is. So I think he's worth taking a shot on here for a tiny bit of savings versus some of these guys. But price-wise, he's actually up in a similar range to Leonard Fournette and DeAndre Swift at this point.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I just pulled up his game logs on DraftKings and looking at him, I'm like, these look a lot like DeAndre Swift's game, game logs. Like the carry volume hasn't been huge but the last four games, seven, seven, six, and nine targets. Um, and we, we talked about on yesterday's pod as well. Um, Patterson outcarried Mike Davis last, last time out, 14 to 13 for the first time all season. So coming out of the bye, you know, we'll, we'll see. I think it's possible Patterson does that again on top of the big role in the passing game.
0: From the outside, I don't see any reason why Cordero Patterson should not be splitting backfield work with Mike Davis, but I mean, we'll see what the Falcons think coming out of the bye. Over to wide receiver, Jared. What are you favoring for cash?
1: Yeah, so Chris Godwin was a guy I was leaning towards playing even before Antonio Brown was ruled out. Now I think Godwin is almost a cash game lock at fifty nine hundred bucks. Um, you know, I was already getting like mid range wide receiver two usage without, you know, with with Brown in there. Now you know Brown was leading box wide receivers and targets per game, so that's a big. Big piece of the pie left behind. Godwin should pick up a bunch of that. So playing him in cash, and then two cheaper guys. I'm going to play to get in Derek Henry and to get in an expensive uh, quarterback, Darnell Mooney of the Bears, forty six hundred bucks. You know, he has a twenty nine percent target share from Justin Fields. It hasn't meant a whole lot because Fields has been throwing it like twenty mm-hmm. times a game. You know, Fields should throw it thirty to forty times Ooh. on Sunday. I think against the Bucks. So and you talk about that type of target share on those that passing volume, then you're talking, you know, eight, nine, 10 targets for Mooney. So I think he's a good value at his price. Then I'm going to play Rashad Bateman at 3,400 bucks. And, you know, he's not the safest play, but it's a salary saver. He's a talented guy. You know, the usage was, was good in his, in his debut last week. He actually, you know, tied for the team lead in targets. The snap percentage was decent. I think it can only climb from here, especially with Sammy Watkins rolled out
0: again for Sunday's game. Yeah, I think that's why I'm going to be playing Matt Ryan at quarterback instead of the higher price guys, so I don't have to go quite down that far for a cash lineup, but there's certainly a target upside if you are going down there, and you know, you always know if you're playing a $3,400 receiver in a cash lineup, you're not doing so because you know he's going to produce, you're doing so because he might, and he gives you salary savings to get up to a higher ceiling player that can balance that out, so even if Rashad Bateman doesn't pay off, it's not going to kill a cash lineup. I like Chris Godwin is impossible of dislike at 5,900 for all the things he said. He, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans were all in that range of 18 to 20% target share. So if you take Antonio Brown out of that mix, it necessarily bumps up the other two, especially with Rob Gronkowski still out for this game. I mean, we're, I don't think that we're going to see, you know, 10 OJ Howard targets or eight. <laughs> Gio Bernard targets. So the ball is going to go somewhere. Tampa Bay has been leaning past this year. So yeah, impossible to not like Chris Godwin this week. I think Calvin Ridley is also in play here with or without Matt Ryan. I mentioned the price 6,600. He's third in the league in targets per game so far, 10 and a half of those per week. And there are enough guys in consideration in that 4k range to mess around with the combos to find what you like at running back receiver i haven't played around with it yet to see exactly what my favorite combo is but i saw enough names in there that i'm not too worried about finding some kind of alignments that i like
1: yeah Valve ridley i agree he's in play in cash i have him down here as a tournament option looks like he's at 13 percent projected ownership that, that's low enough for me i'm still going to play him at 6600 bucks um Ridley's fourth in expected points per game among wide receivers. So all, all the usage we want has been there. Matt Ryan's played better the past couple of weeks coming off a of bye now, a good matchup against Miami. So I love Ridley for tournaments or for cash. Um, I like the Bears wide receivers again for tournaments. That includes Allen Robinson, who I believe is 5,100 bucks. And um, you know, he's been, he's been just behind Mooney actually in target share from Justin Fields, so, you know, same deal. Uh, passing volume up in Chicago should mean a lot more raw target volume for Robinson then I'm definitely going to play A.J. Brown, too. You know, hopefully the uh, Chipotle issues steer people away from him a bit in tournaments. But he looked just fine to me uh, on Monday night against the Bills and is in a great spot here against the
0: Chiefs. <laughs> this is the longest bout of food poisoning I've heard of. So I guess we'll I'm, see. I'm a little.
1: Yeah, I'm a little worried each Chipotle again after all this. <laughs>
0: Yeah, this is bad press for them. You know, that they're trying to head this off however they can. Uh, they're, we're, they're about to sponsor A.J. Brown the rest of the way, I think. You talked about Calvin Ridley. I talked about Calvin Ridley. I think the Falcons-Dolphins game could just be a little sneaky for offensive upside overall. Yep. We're talking about two bad defenses with, you know, not exciting offenses on either side, but some attractive players. We talked about Calvin Ridley Talked about Cordell Patterson. Jalen Waddle's coming off a two-touchdown game. There's still no Will Fuller there. Still questions about Devontae Parker and Preston Williams. Mike Gusecki at tight end is going to end up being an option. Uh, you know, there are just enough guys to kind of mess around with game stacking that one at, at not too expensive salaries. I think Devontae Smith, is also kind of sneakily priced. We talked on the preview pod about how he's a boom bust option and you know not necessarily all the way up to a boom but at 5400 we're not talking about a high ceiling guy. We're talking about somebody that if we get you know 20 dk points out of him it's a good day. The Raiders have gotten worse in pass defense over the past three weeks versus the first three weeks this year. And they did so despite facing the Bears and Broncos within that range. So it's not like they just started facing tougher teams. They've been playing without top corner Trayvon Mullen. He's on IR for at least one more game. Dallas Goddard, I think, is going to soak up some ownership. I don't think that uh, Devontae Smith is going to get much past 5% in these fields. And I think you could play Devontae Smith with or without Jalen Hurts. A lot of times, if we're looking for a big game from a receiver, we're going to need their quarterback. But the ideal game for Jalen Hurts has him running in two touchdowns. It doesn't have him throwing to Devontae Smith for 100 yards. So it's possible for right. Devontae Smith to have a fine game and still one of those higher ceiling quarterbacks to be a better play than Jalen Hurts here.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I like the Dolphins-Falcons stack idea. I'm not sure I'd like full-on stack the game, but I do like Calvin Ridley plus Waddle or Kasicki or even going Kyle Pitts with – with one of the Dolphins. Um, I can't quit T Higgins either at 4,900 bucks. That just seems too cheap for a guy of his talent level. Um, And we talked about in yesterday's pod, you know, how it could be a sneaky good matchup for Burrow because the Ravens are so blitz heavy and he's been good against the blitz this season. So Burrow has a nice game. Eventually it's going to, you know, take T Higgins along with him and not just to Chase.
0: Yeah. T Higgins at 4,900 is definitely one of those guys that I was looking at as I can, I can play with that. I can see what fits uh, around that salary level tight end for cash. What are you playing? I'm going back to RSJ. You know, He came through for
1: us last week, 15.8 DraftKings points. His price is up uh, $700 this week to $3,700, but he still checks in as the top dollars per point value at the position. You know, The usage was exactly what it was the previous week. You know, Elite tight end usage, 93% route rate. He saw 15% of Washington's targets. And Seals-Jones gets the Packers on Sunday. They are 26th in Football Outsiders tight end coverage rankings and 29th in adjusted points allowed to tight ends.
0: Yeah, 15 targets over the past two games, nearly 19% of the team's total pass attempt over pass attempts over that span. He's seeing elite level usage for a tight end, and even though the the salary's up, Ricky Seals Jones is still about a thousand dollars cheaper than Mike Gesicki, Dallas Goddard. And I mean, is he a worse bet for targets or production than either of those guys? I don't think so right now. So that's definitely my starting point. And then, you know, as we build, we'll see if there's salary left to, to go up from that level. But that's where I'm starting as well. Turny side, what do you like? Yeah, you mentioned
1: the guy I like here, Dallas Goddard. And I, I think he's he's a good cash value as well. I'm just I'm choosing to save the 900 bucks with Ricky Seals Jones. But um, I think Goddard a guy who's going to get into the mid fives probably within the next month um, with Zach Ertz out of the way now um you know playing time and volume should go way up without Ertz, and he gets a good matchup on sunday um vegas 30th and adjusted points allowed to tight ends 23rd and football outsiders tight end coverage rankings um, the other guy i like is tyler higby and it's you know just uh, basically a touchdown bet Like the Rams have a 33 point implied total highest of the week um, i think that makes higby one of the best touchdown bets at the position and that's kind of you know what what tight end tends to
0: come down to yeah, I think people are ready for Dallas Goddard to rebound now. I saw I went to try to trade for him this morning, and somebody had him in the starting lineup over TJ Hawkinson. So that owner <laughs> might not be ready to to forget about Dallas Goddard. Uh, you know, following the, the Zach trade, I'll be curious to see what his ownership looks like Sunday morning because it's already projected at just over ten percent. Uh, I'll be yep. curious to see if that's going to rise, and that kind of makes both Tyler Higby and Mike Gusecki interesting price pivots in the same in the same area. They are both look like they're headed for single-digit ownership. And I think all those guys are in position where they could get the ball plenty. Uh, our, our pal Dwayne McFarlane tweeted something earlier today about Tyler Higbee being in better shape in terms of route rate than the targets would tell you. And, you know, you mentioned the touchdown upside. We don't need 10 targets for Tyler Higbee to pay off. If we get five or six and he scores once, you know, maybe twice, but obviously that's a, a bit of a pipe dream. But if we get six targets and a touchdown out of Higby, I think we're happy at 4,500.
1: And this just feels like a game, too, where the Rams can get anyone they want to get touchdowns. So, you know, like Cooper cup has been getting everything. Maybe they're like, you know, let's get, let's get uh, Robert Woods and Tyler Higby going in this one.
0: And, I mean, if you're the defense, you're like, well, we got to cover Cooper Cup. We got to cover Robert Woods. Who's that guy with the mustache? Oh, he just scored on <laughs> yep. defense. What are you playing? So I'm going to the Cardinals in cash, 3,100
1: bucks, which might be the most expensive cash game defense I've ever recommended. But, um, you know, they're, they're our top-ranked defense on the entire week, not even just on the main slate. And they're only thirty one hundred dollars at home for Houston. I'm don't, I don't really understand the price. Like Arizona's been a good real life defense. They've been a good fantasy defense and they have, you know, the best matchup, I think. Um, they're 17 and a half point favorites over Houston. The Texans have a 14 point seven five point implied total. So the value's too good. I'm gonna I'm gonna you know pay up even in cash for the Cardinals.
0: Yeah, normally if I see a defense projected for the kind of ownership that they're going to get, and I think it's going to rise from what their projection says right now, I would just auto-fade it, but I can't do that with the Cardinals. As you said, a good defense facing Houston at home. Houston is implied for less than 15 points this week. I mean, there is... You don't want to say there's no chance, but there's basically no chance that this one blows up. I think the downside of this is that Arizona's just okay, but I don't think they yeah. kill you. I think when you get into a tournament, you know, maybe like the Texans happen into a pick six or they recover a fumble that turns into a touchdown and brings down the defense score. So mm-hmm. I guess in that kind of setting where you're playing in a large field tournament, maybe you look for another defense. And the options there, I think, are Carolina. At thirty five hundred, which is a little expensive, but they get the Giants. The Giants on the other side of that, if you don't want to pay that much, twenty five hundred, they get Sam Darnold. So upside to both sides of that one, and then the Packers at thirty three hundred have some upside against Washington.
1: New England's actually my favorite uh, kind of you know, pivot away from Arizona at thirty four hundred dollars. You're right, right between Carolina and, and Green Bay there, but um. You know, we, we saw what they did to Zach Wilson in week two. It wasn't pretty, um, and they're, they're at home for this one. So they're, they're the team. If I'm going to pay up above Arizona, it's going to be for the Patriots.
0: Yeah, we'll see if Zach Wilson's seeing ghosts this time around or if he can shake that. But that's going to do it for the week seven DraftKings podcast. Head over to draftsharks.com now to get play, more player recommendations. If you're a DS insider, then you can check out Jared's cash game picks as well as top GPP options from Corey Bushland. You can also mess around with the lineup generator to build your own lineups with the help of the DS projections and fan share ownership projections. For more discussion of DFS and other formats, you can also join us in our free Draft Sharks Discord. You can find the link to do that in the description for this podcast. For Jared Smoll and the rest, and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Shaw saying thanks so much for supporting.